0: You can definitely bug yourself. All right, everybody, you're listening to <laughs> spoilers. Spoilers on the rocks. It is a podcast where my guest today, Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Hey. Uh, decides to go ahead, have some drinks, uh, and tries to recap a movie as best they can from start to finish, if they can, and I will try to assist if I can. Um, what are we drinking tonight?
1: I'm doing tequila and Sprite Zero. I'm doing vodka and Sprite Zero, but we both had tequila shots, so it's okay. There you go. Mixing and mingling. Mixing
0: and mingling. Oh my goodness. So what movie are we doing tonight? We are doing
1: the OG original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Wait, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Oh, it's Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, I guess. I don't know. That's See, that's confusing because the... It doesn't say Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? No, that's the more recent one um, as interpreted by Tim Burton, which is... Um, that's the titling of the original book by Roald Dahl. Um, the movie from the '70s that we all know and love was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I guess I never knew that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm serious. So there's this whole thing about how kind of like blown, kind of like how The Shining, um, the original film, wasn't really. Um, to the, like, it wasn't, it was a Kubrick film that wasn't really, like, adhering to... Anything like the book? No, it was a a Kubrick film to a Stephen King book, and it kind of, not bastardized it, but it was different to the point that they made a miniseries in the 90s that was more like the original book. I remember Stephen that. King. Yeah. So this is kind of like a with the lawn trip. animals and the fire hose. It was so good, but it's a miniseries, so it's like to, the effort to go back and watch it all. It's like six hours every day, leaving you feeling weird, dehydrated. Like it's <laughs> yeah. But anyway, this is similar. So we're um, doing The
0: Shining on here. What? We haven't recorded The Shining yet, but we're doing The Shining all for right. this
1: podcast. In a future episode, you can keep an eye out for it. Dope. And for reference, you should watch the miniseries really good. It's just long. But anyway, so <clears throat> the film that we're referring to is 1971's uh, Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, um, which is not so closely based on the original book by Roald Dahl, who did a lot of other fucked up children's books. Back did the- he do Matilda? I want to say yes. Um, he had a <laughs> number of them. He He's kind of fucked. Uh, he's super fucked, and it, uh, it adheres to my particular case like i like charles schultz who also hated the comic book adaptation of his you know like there the movie adaptation of his comic books like uh it's a great pumpkin charlie brown and all that stuff like he he never watched those he hated them so i love like a crotchety old writer who is like holed up in a cabin and just hates any interpretation of his original works like that's so dope to me
0: oh that's like the um creator of watchmen i don't know about that one You never... But you know of Watchmen. The name sounds familiar. There was an HBO show. It's a movie. Yeah. Very favorite in
1: fact, actually. It's really
0: good. Both... I think both are very, very good movies in a TV show. But is it... But the guy were not watch. Yeah.
1: It's one of those things. So, there's a story about Willy Wonka in that um, Roald Dahl was, like, in a hotel somewhere and was flipping through the TV and accidentally watched portions of the film that was on TV at that time and it took him a minute to realize what it was, and he was enjoying it up until the point where he realized it was, in fact, the film about his book, at which point he got pissed and turned it off. So.
0: But he was enjoying it.
1: Yeah, which is, <laughs> what does that tell you about him? It's like, God, how stubborn do you want to be? Like, I don't know, cut off your nose to spite your face, that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, he was that guy, the But anyway, so uh, we're going through that movie. Yeah, what um, what are some fun facts we should know? Obviously, it's 1971. Well, 71, so that would make most of the production in the 60s, which is why I give a shit, because I am a 60s file. That would have been the... Dec- um, I'm not an expert, but that's, like, since age of cognizance, I've known, like, that's the decade that I was meant to be alive during. I would assume that my, like past life or whatever would have been uh born maybe like mid-50s so that I would have been like a child in the 60s and then grown up through that and in my 20s during the 70s and all that stuff but the 60s have always spoken to me this is just really bad
0: but I was like so how did you go before wait no yeah no I probably died of AIDS in the 80s I thought I was gonna say Vietnam, but then I realized that was. 69, I was not 70. going
1: to Nam, absolutely not. No, <laughs> my ass. hard no. Um, this is terrible. Yeah, so I had my little Amy Winehouse tattoo. She, you know, famously is obsessed with the sixties, which groups.
0: I still gotta say, it, one of my favorite stories ever. The tangent, side tangent from Willy Wonka, <laughs> is um, I hosted uh, a, a dinner here at the apartment. And my friend, it was during COVID, but like when things were kind of open during COVID, but not fully open during COVID. So he comes over and he came over, it was his first time going out, period, from the pandemic. So he went to the Abbey and he was so smashed and he came in and was like, oh my God, guys, oh my God. And we were like, what, what's going on? And you hadn't arrived yet. (laughs) And he was like, I saw Lady Gaga. I saw Lady Gaga. Can you believe it? She showed up at the Abbey. This is West Hollywood, if you're listening. And um, because they were doing like a dedication to her or something. And they even like painted in the street, born this way. All this stuff. So um, he is so ecstatic and he's so, so drunk that he told the story several times to us. It's a good story. But then, Aaron comes on over, yep. and is like, you guys won't believe what just happened. <laughs> Guess what? I saw Lady Gaga, and he's like, oh, really?
1: And he's, he's like, I got super close, and you're like, she touched me. She grabbed and caressed my tattoo, because all I could think in a moment's panic, when you're, you know, face-to-face with Miss Stephanie Germanotta third. She was kind of dressed like Amy Winehouse that day. Look it up. Google it. But um, yeah, I like just kind of like brandished my tattoo and she caressed it and made uh, very stern eye contact with me as if like, I get you. Um, It was very special. But anyway, yeah. So tattoos magic. I wonder what she would do if she saw my tattoos of Nicole Kidman. I want
0: Nicole Kidman to see (laughs) Nicole Kidman. If you're like, somehow heartbreak feels good in a place like this.
1: I'm sure she would recite that very line to you.
0: Did you see that she actually, do you follow her on Instagram? I don't. She actually shared a couple people wearing t-shirts now. There's all these different t-shirt designs of Heartbreak Feels Good in a Place Like This with her.
1: Oh, see? Oh my God, you got it in. So
0: now now she's starting to share it.
1: We'll find her. Uh, not just in the AMC. <laughs> it's creepy. But I love it because
0: if you're listening and you go to an AMC theater, they have this, if you go to like Regal or you go to a different one, like showcase cinema, they're not going to, um, those are the ones that come to mind. You're missing out. Yeah. You're missing out because even after all the trailers and after the whole silence, your phone, and this is brought to you by Coca-Cola and a hundred years of magic. Yep. She comes on the screen to transport us. We come to this place for magic. Magic. Oh, it's so good!
1: It is... If there aren't 55 gays, dress up as that for Halloween. I'm mad. I'm mad. Because that's... It's so easy. It's just right on the nose. Uh, Yeah, the homos are loving it. It's a good... It's a good little bit.
0: It's very, very funny. Because people... We saw Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness... And people were cheering, and it's, some guy like shouted out, "Yeah!" But then when we went to this is this is only at the AMC right up the hill here in West Hollywood. But then we went to Burbank, and I saw the Batman for the fourth time um, there, and nobody did anything with it. Nobody chimed in. Nobody jumped. And I was like, "You fucking street people,
1: <laughs> discriminating against? Yeah, no. Um, she became an icon all over again just because of that. So good for her. It's so funny." Anyway, speaking of so funny, let's talk about a movie that's not so funny, so we're going to...
0: Okay, (laughs) can I just say, out of context, before we spoil this movie, what I wanted to say about this movie? This is the original slasher film. Like, this created slashers, but with children, because none of them survive. Yeah. Not really.
1: Um, Well,
0: they say that they do, but they don't um, show them.
1: It's kind of buttered up a little bit, but the implication is that... So here's a theory about the film, right? We'll just get right into it. That Um, it's
0: terrifying. I didn't like this movie as a kid because it scared the shit out of me. That's an overt
1: fact. The theory is that... um, That it's terrifying? these, These children are somewhat representative of some of the deadly sins. And we'll go through their deaths individually. But like, if you think about it, like, oh, that makes greed, sense. Greed, gluttony. um... I, I didn't go to the was Viola Church. Was it gluttony Viola Davis? No, she wasn't in it. Um, no. Violet. Vi- no, I guess was gluttony. The one with the I want a golden. I want no. I guess was the boy who fell. Oh, yeah. oh, I Let's like chocolate. Can go- yes, can we go to the movie, please? You'll see. You'll see in time. But keep that in mind, right? So, like, the theory is that these children are representative of some of the deadly sins, therefore meet their untimely ends.
0: Now, what are some fun facts to know before going into it? Right.
1: So, this film was... um, the filming locations were in... somewhere in Europe? I don't know. Pinewood Studios? No, it was like... there weren't studios. So, they shopped, like, uh, the Guinness location whatever it is and i'm assuming ireland they they had a lot of like you know tentative filming locations but it was done in europe because for the time it was cheaper to do it not in the u.s so if you look at like the big uh landscape scenes where they're showing over like the little village that was a legit little village it was not in la it wasn't done anywhere um you know, recognizable. It was like little European town.
0: The grandparents' home with all those grandparents in bed is legit swingers old folks'
1: place. Don't know that for sure. It um, was not a set, and confirmed. Um, all of the children actors were not actors; they were just kids, and um, many of them didn't pursue acting after that fact. Um, the older folks, like Grandpa uh, Joe, did stuff other than that, but um, it was and obviously Gene. Yeah. Gene Wild, Gene K. Wilder, what a legend, I was, I cried the day he died, but um, yeah, he went on, but most of them were non-actors, so um, I'm not sure why exactly, if it was just like more pure to capture kids being kids, but anyway, so... Or they just
0: do that trick on set where you kind of play a game with them and they don't
1: really realize. Totally. Like so, Danny
0: from uh, Shining. Yes,
1: yeah. very much that. Yeah, trick them into, yeah, get their genuine reactions because that's, yeah, invaluable. But, um, so, anyway, shall we open? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I okay. think that's more than fine. Cheers.
1: I am going Jeez. to continue the drink. Cool. So we open up to, um, the opening credits, which are, uh, set a front, a montage of chocolate being made. It's, like, a non-Hershey's Kisses version of a Hershey's Kiss, like, little coin things being made. It's, like, shiny brown chocolate being made to, uh, you know, the melody of whatever the score is. It's all acid. Uh, I would hope so. Um, and we enter on little Charlie, who is basically, like, I think walking about the town, and then um, we go to... <laughs> he's he's walking up, like upon this little, you know, village, and uh, happens upon the candy store, right? So, I guess back in the day, candy stores could exist alone without selling cigarettes, but... Uh, we basically... Charlie's like the original orderly. Yeah, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he's not taking part in most of the merriment going on, but we go into the candy store and this dude with like a weird little like side curl and mustache kind of combo starts telling the kids about the new candy bar in town, which is the new Waka bar and goes right into, um, the Candyman song, which we all know. The Candyman gang, cause he mixes it with love, makes the world taste good, all that shit
0: say it five times in a mirror
1: honestly um actually interesting fact about that the guy that wrote that song um his, his name was like leslie or something. <gasps> leslie like jordan it. no we wish Les- have you ever heard of the term gay for pay <laughs> well shit what are y'all doing um <laughs> No, so this guy, Leslie Brickus or something, um, just passed away in 2019, but he made that song. He wrote the song Candyman, Pure Imagination, um, the song You Only Live Twice from whichever James Bond film that was. It was I was just N-
0: about to say James N- Bond. Yeah,
1: sang by Nancy Sinatra, actually, and Coldplay covered it. It's a good song. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want that intro for my wedding. But anyway, um, so they go through that. He tells them about the new candy bar from Willy Wonka, da-da-da-da-da. And Charlie can take no part in this merriment because he is poor. And um continues on his way home, passing by a new stand of sorts to collect his first paycheck from his boss, Mr. Joe Pesh, who Pesci. Joe Pesci, yeah. He's yeah, he is, <laughs> <laughs> I never made that connection. Mr. Joe Pesh is just like, oh shit, it's payday? Okay, fine, here's your literal here's your like, nickel. Here's your nickel, here's your stupid coin. And um Charlie carries on home to meet his four grandparents laying in a bed doing nothing and his mom on the side. So the grandparents are uh Grandpa George, Grandma Georgina, Grandma Josephine, and Grandpa Joe. You landed so, those all beautifully. You deserve a drink. <laughs> yeah, I actually will take that. Um <laughs> hold on. Pause for sure. a second. Yeah. So um Funny enough, Grandpa Joe, I have a Grandpa Joe who was also classically lazy, if I were to be honest. Um, He was a father of 10 and had, uh, well, he retired when he was like 50 and had 10 kids. And that is currently my middle name. So when people call me AJ, it's Aaron Joseph after that guy who was also lazy, just like Grandpa Joe, who was bedridden. So he makes a claim, Charlie, about how they've been bedridden for 20 years so yeah i think that to me this kind of established i was like oh so this movie's a fantasy these people have been bedridden for 20 years let's pretend they're 70 they climbed up into that bed when they were fucking 50 and haven't worked since and i don't the whole thing is really bizarre to me and it's like a one-room house yeah it's a what it's a tiny cottage very fairy tale. And Mrs. Bucket's the only worker, besides Charlie, who just recently got his one nickel every two week job. So anyway, he comes in and he's like, hey, like, I got you guys a loaf of bread. Just to go with their cabbage water that they're eating, right? And one of them, the mom, like, remarks, we'll have a real banquet. Off the loaf of bread in addition to the cabbage water. So they are poor, you guys. We're we're led to believe that they're super poor.
0: Okay, I'm poor, but my banquet is like Taco Bell.
1: Right? Dare to drink <laughs> <Jeez. laughs>
0: Taco Bell, if you're listening, please represent the spoilers on the
1: rocks. Swipe up. <laughs> um give us a t shirt at least. So then Charlie Please sell one at Target. A funny thing about this is Charlie stashes some of the coins on the side and he was like, yeah, I spent it all except for this, for you, Grandpa Joe, to buy your tobacco. And he's like, if a, bre- if a loaf of bread is considered a banquet, I've got no business smoking tobacco And then the mom rushes in. She's like, but it's only one pipe a week. They're all, like, really trying to get this guy to keep smoking, which shows (laughs) the time.
0: Who was funding it?
1: Well, no, I'm just saying, like, of the 60s, it's like, come on, keep smoking. Like, don't give it up. You can keep at it. Don't be a quitter. So... Are you a smoker? I love smokers. I have an affinity for smokers. I don't smoke myself, but uh, I'm a secondhand smoker. Okay. I love the smell. Uh, Actually... Um, that comes from my grandmother, who, um, would always rent me this movie back in the day, when I was little, in the 90s, and, uh, we, they'd take us to the video store, and I would always rent this movie. She's a smoker, so, there's a connection for you. So, anyway. She was just waiting for a golden ticket to be in the fucking video case. We all were. So, we progressed through the movie, Charlie's in school the next day, his teacher is... I don't remember that. <laughs> ...an asshole. His teacher's a dick, he, like... Is very untrained, is like super sassy, doing a science experiment with Charlie. There's like an explosion, whatever, and some kid is like, there's all this commotion outside the classroom, and the mean, sassy queen teacher opens the door and he's like, hey, what's going on? The kid's like, well, yeah, like Willy Wonka, like he's holding this contest and you gotta find the golden ticket, and there's only five in the world. The guy just misses class to tell all the kids, go eat the Wonka bars, like go find that golden ticket. So, priorities are different. Education is not so heavily weighted.
0: But this is... its Is it clearly established that they're in Europe? Or is uh, it supposed to be United States?
1: So, that's not really specified. I think it's supposed to be in the U.S., but it's very clearly, like, somewhere in the U.K. Okay. Because, no, he has an accent. He has, like... Because sort of, I
0: never remember thinking of this movie as a United States movie. No,
1: because you can tell. It's, like, it is... I mean, they go all over the place, but, um... It's clearly not U.S. based, but I don't know if we're supposed to know that. Because the candy man guy, the singer, the candy like candy salesman, he has a hard British accent. The teacher has a British accent. And then as we go through, whatever. So um, we basically set on a journey where Charlie is like, I want one of these golden tickets, whatever. But he doesn't have any money because he's poor because he could barely buy bread for his lazy fucking family. Does the grandpa
0: decide not to get tobacco this week?
1: That's not this week, that's next week. But anyway, so they're all buying the candy bars, whatever. New stories are coming out. Um, people are, like, auctioning off these candy bars. They're flying off the shelves. Charlie has high hopes, but, like, can't realistically expect to get one because he can only afford it so much. Um, to the point where I think we enter the first person is, um, I want to say Augustus Gloop. So he's the German kid where we're, like, now acknowledging that we're in Germany, he wins a ticket, he's on TV, whatever, his parents are fat asses, they're literally feasting away, and he wins a golden ticket, he's saying eating is my hobby, whatever, but, like, I won this golden ticket. Eating is my passion. Literally, relatable. And (laughs) as as he's on a news segment uh, acknowledging that he won this thing, He kind of leans to the side to the man, literally serving him sausage off a little skewer thing, kind of like a campfire little skewer thing where you, like, roast hot dogs. This guy, who we will later recognize as Slugworth, is serving him a sausage and whispering something to him, something ominous, and whatever. We go on. Um, That's creepy. It is creepy. He's like, nobody's noticing. I'm like, see, this is how, like, things happen to kids. When the parents are paying attention because they're on TV, like, you need to be paying attention. Dial it in a little bit. Um, maybe he's just self-reflective of the set environment I don't know I'm projecting um, a little bit but (laughs) um, so Charlie's kind of watching it all happen he you know is uh, like visibly like upset that he's not winning this but he's you can tell he's like having a moment with himself he's like why do I care so much which I think we've all had that time like I wish I were above this I wish I didn't care about this commotion all going on but god damn it the FOMO is like really getting to me so, anyway, Charlie goes on, um, the kids win the prizes one by one, so it's like, I think the next one is, I want to say, I think, uh, what, Veruca Salt is the next one, which to the kids, is, is the,
0: I want a golden goose now, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: so she wins the next ticket because she has a father who owns a factory, coincidentally, and he is basically enslaving his, uh, employees to open all these candy bars as their new job, and, um, from shelling nuts was their previous job, I think? It was, like, a, it was a nut company, because there was, like, a, a pun there, uh, Mr. Salt, and they're, like, salt nuts, whatever. He, you keep talking about me, and I keep blushing. <laughs> I know, I'm, like, looking at you.
0: <laughs> salt, everyone. Operative word. Um, so there. Did I? I don't think I just said, you're listening to Spose on the Rocks. I don't think I said, I'm your host, Curtis James Salt. Yeah, so
1: this is Curtis oh, James I'm, Salt. I'm so sorry. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. So he's Veruca Salt's great, 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 great nephew, basically. Um, anyway, so somebody finds Veruca Salt a golden ticket, um, at her demands, and her father's basically, like, you know, whatever, like, held to her will. And Charlie. She's, a, S- she's the original Kardashian absolutely with a again british accent for no reason they have British accents we don't know why so we go on charlie's like seeing all this on the news he's upset whatever feeling left out fomo but like feeling stupid for it and his grandpa at some point basically like takes his tobacco money and buys charlie a bar of chocolate which charlie (laughs) opens yeah no he does and Charlie opens it and he's like, I don't know, it doesn't have a golden ticket, but like, whatever, this is all stupid anyway. Like, he's trying to convince himself that he doesn't care, but he, like, hardcore does. Um, we go on and then, uh, so it's Veruca, Augustus. I think the next one to get it is Violet Beauregard, who her father is a car salesman. Violet Novigard? Violet Beauregard. No-Regard. Um not so fun fact: She was the first of the children to die. She died in twenty nineteen. Uh, the rest of them are still alive, actually, but she was the only one to pass, pass away. away. R.I.P. Sis, we're holding it down for you. So her dad was a car salesman and politician, a local politician, and which is kind of like that's that's one of the first winks we get to like understand that this is kind of a farce. It's just a you know like a critique of modern society. Like yeah, a car salesman is a politician is. A modern crook is walking Among Us day to day. So she gets a ticket because she uh, is a hardcore gum chewer, she's a record holder, uh, she beat the world record which is previously held by her friend Cornelia Prince-Green or something like that, and she like bitchily like waves to her friend on TV saying when she heard about these ticket things she switched right off of gum. I uh, started buying the chocolate bars, and then after that, she switched right back on to gum. She holds a world record for chewing gum, and um, yeah, she got the chocolate bar. Whatever, we go on to uh, Mike TV. My TV is the last winner of the tickets. My TV or Mike Mike, Mike TV. Michael J. Fox TV the third or something, but his but, last name is TV T E E V E E. I want to say TV. That's it's yeah. We're learning slowly that this is, like, a comic book of sorts. Okay. So, this kid lives in Arizona, which is foreshadowing. He is... He won't tear his eyes from the TV. He's watching um, a show when the newscasters are, you know... (laughs) It's a Western, isn't it? It is a Western. Yes. They're asking him about, you know, his experience, winning the ticket, how excited he is, and he, like, will not tear his gaze from the fucking TV. And, um... He's talking about how, like, this guy, like, whatever, he's like, this cowboy has his gun or whatever. He's like, it's a cool 45. Pop won't let me get a real one. The dad chimes in and says, Not to your 12, son, which is very telling because it's Arizona. So <laughs> I'm like, things haven't changed.
0: My face is of pure shock right now.
1: Yeah. So we're painting Arizona. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> how right
0: old now. are all the kids supposed to generally be?
1: Uh, I mean, well, not to your like, 12. Like, what's son the age range? Indicate, I would say under 10. I would say nine, eight. eight They're ten. all eight to 10 years old? I would say, yeah. Wow. They, I always thought Veruca was like 13 or 12. I mean, we don't know what age the actress was, but yeah. that's where we're led to believe that they are that age. So, anyway, Charlie's having a hard time with all this going on. He's seeing it all in the news, playing out in real time. It's basically like the evils of social media, but like long before the fact. And he at one point goes to visit his mother who's working at some kind of like weird like clothing place where she's literally like dipping dress shirts into a big vat of hot milky water with a giant oar. It's like it looks like a big spatula and um, Charlie like comes in. He's like done with his paper out for the day or whatever and she's like hey what's up what the fuck are you doing here kind of thing. And he's like, he very aggressively says that, oh, yeah, they found another golden ticket today. That means there's, like, only one left. And she's like, oh, no shit. Like, for real? And he's like, yeah, but, like, I don't care. And in case you were thinking, you know, I'm worried about it, I'm not. And I think it's stupid. And she's like, okay, like, you're certainly making a big deal about this if you don't really care. And Reverse like, psychology. Literally, yeah. And he's just like, and if you're thinking I think I'm gonna win it, I won't. So there. And he like stomps off angrily, and she's just like watching him. Which we enter into Cheer Up Charlie, which let me tell you something. That fucking song has uh They sing a song. She sings a song. It's called Cheer Up Charlie. She's talking about But the movie's not a musical. It is a musical. If you think about it, there's, like, at least seven music sequences.
0: Yeah, but not with people singing. Yes, sir. What?
1: Oh, the Candyman? I think of Cheer just... Cheer Charlie. Him on the boat. and
0: pure That's, like, the fifth song.
1: Anyway, so she sings this song to... Basically saying, Sunday, sweet as a song, Charlie's lucky day will come along." My mom, like, spilled a lot of that rhetoric to me growing up, like hey, people are, like, soaring pasture right now, even though they don't deserve it, but, like, your day will come, whatever. Um, Grandpa Joe has a very poignant statement when Charlie, like, wants this ticket or whatever, and he's, Charlie's like, I've got the same chance as anybody else, haven't I? And Grandpa Joe says, no, you deserve it more because you want it more, Charlie, which is kind of the whole reason that I love this film. It poses this whole moral dilemma of, like, what if the world worked like that? Like, what if a value system was worth money or worth power? Like, what if the best person, you know, like, won in the end, which never really happens. And this is why it's a fantasy, but like.
0: Oprah is smiling down.
1: <laughs> Literally. And like, that, 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 that in itself has guided so much of my adulthood. It's like, well, like, you know what? Like,
0: wait, did I say Oprah is smiling down? That just
1: implies that she's dead when she's definitely not. Um, she's up in the hill somewhere. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> she's in Calabasas, smiling down on us. Um, so anyway, that, that, that has dictated a lot of my adulthood. Like, yeah, if you're the best person and you have the best intentions, like maybe at some point in the end, you'll win anyway. But anyway, foreshadowing. So, um, there is a false winner in the fifth ticket. It's some guy in, like, El Salvador or something, which is a little racist because he ends up to be a fraud, and, um, they're like, ah, he was a fraud the whole time, he didn't really win that ticket, but Charlie, in between the time when they, when he fake won and when they determined it was a fraud, had kind of, like, made peace with the fact that he didn't win, so the grandparents are all downstairs, they f- hear the news of the final winner, and that guy from El Salvador is, is like lucky. He's lucky that he did not go to this factory. Um well, it depends. So <laughs> there's a point where Grandpa Joe, they're like, should we tell Charlie? Should we wake up and like wake him up and tell him that, you know, somebody won a ticket? And Grandpa Joe's like, No, like, just let him sleep. Let him have one last dream, which is another very poignant point of the film. It's just like uh, don't at the die! He has nothing to hope for. Like, oh, shit's so bad out here. Anyway, Charlie then um, is going about his day. Uh, they find out that the fifth ticket was a fraud because the Latino guy was lying, which is a mess. That's I have feelings about that. But anyway, um, he was a liar. And there's one last ticket. Charlie finds some money in the street in a like sewer grate. Picks up that coin buys another candy bar for himself and is, like, scarfing it down, eating it so fast with the sassy candy man. There's no gold ticket in that. And here is the, I think, the biggest point in the whole film, dare I say. So he goes back into the candy shop after scarfing down the bar of chocolate, and he's like, I think I'll take one more for my Grandpa Joe. That bar that the man grabs right from the front ends up being the one with the golden ticket. So no shit he wins by virtue of selflessness it wasn't for him it was for his grandpa joe and that's when he wins he
0: almost gets grandpa joe killed too so you know he does
1: um he runs home with a ticket or whatever there's like a family guy sequence like mirroring this shot where he's like running for his life with a golden ticket in hand or whatever slugworth stops him questions him and you know like tries to commission him to say like hey get me the everlasting gobstopper once you're in the factory. Charlie's like, no, leave me alone, creep. Runs away, goes home, tells his grandparents about it, and they're all like, you're lying. Like, five tickets have already been found. He's like, no, 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 the other one was a fake. Like, I found this money in the street, whatever. The ticket is good for the 1st of October, which is tomorrow. So there's some theories that the whole incident was a, like, a fake Like, it was a plant, like, they, uh, because the candy man grabbed the bar of chocolate from the front of the stack and gave it to Charlie the day before the contest was over, like, it seems a little sus. But, anyway, they all go into the factory.
0: Go on, Charlie. Take it. Take it, Charlie. The next
1: day... (laughs) They go to the chocolate factory, meet Willy Wonka himself. He's creepy. He's weird. He does a weird little, like, he looks like he's going to collapse. He's walking with a cane. He does a little flip, which is actually, um, that was not planned. They didn't tell the cast about that because they wanted the genuine surprise. He welcomes them into the factory, says, hey, hi, how you doing? Oh, speaking of which, how do you feel about Timothy Chalamet? I love him. I'm not super mad about him in any which way. So, Freddie Highmore was in the Johnny Depp version of this film as Charlie. Yes, he was Charlie. As Charlie. I love Freddie Highmore to the end of the world. But Timothy Chalamet, I'm not mad at him being Willy Wonka. He's, I mean, it's got to be an origin story because he's so young. Yeah. But uh, the Johnny Depp movie was a mess. But I'm not mad about Timothy Chalamet at all. We'll see what he does. The early uh, screenshots of the poster or whatever have looked cool. So anyway, they walk into the chocolate factory, and uh, it's kind of grim where, like, Charlie... Or, I'm sorry, uh, Willy is saying weird things like, "This, you know, this is where all my fantasies become dreams, and some of my dreams become fantasies. Like, he's talking in riddles a whole lot. He uses a lot of poetry that is still to this day to me unrecognizable it's i don't know to somebody who's i don't know more well read on poetry they might recognize some of these things but he welcomes all the people in they go through a little bit of turmoil to get to eventually the chocolate room which is a pivotal part in the whole film they open this
0: so wait do they just like ignore charlie and not interview him
1: with the press they're just like fuck you nope he gets no attention so the only acknowledgement of his astonishing find is when he they're all walking into the gates one by one, and Willy Wonka says something about, like, oh, Charlie, I read all about you. Well, and then in, like, the Johnny Depp one, it's like, you must be just happy to be here. Like, clearly acknowledging that he's not at, like, the wealth level socioeconomic status as the rest of the kids, but he's there, and whatever, like, he deserves to be there because he wanted to be there, just as Grandpa Joe said. So, they're walking through the entrance that Willy Wonka says something about, you know, whatever. Like, this is where You're are gonna right. die, kids. You're gonna die. Nobody ever warned them that they were gonna die, but they did. So, Willy Wonka opens the big door. It's this really beautiful little tinkering sound that leads into the song Pure Imagination, which, if you have a chance to do that karaoke or something, please do. It is a wonderful song. Written by that same guy, Leslie Brickus, or whatever, that just passed away.
0: Hey!
1: Beautiful song. Shout out to him. Um, So apparently the kids were not shown that part of the set before the film was made, so as to, like, capture their real-time shock and, like, surprise. Like, look at this amazing set! Like, there's all these candy trees and shit, and, like, a chocolate waterfall on a moat with a boat, whatever. So they all walk through. They eat the. Stuff they're eating the plants and stuff, and it's all edible. Edible, edible. You can eat almost anything. It's a line from Willy Wonka. Um, they make it through down to this scary, gross chocolate river, which Augustus Gloop is like, like kind of like pooling in cup like handfuls of it into his face. He's over the fondant. He's yeah, and he <laughs> literally is like so he's gluttony. I'm telling you, he's eating the shit. He falls in and they're all like, oh my God, is he going to drown? He can't swim. He gets sucked up into a pipe. And as he does, (laughs) pivotal line in gay history, they're like, oh my God, he's going to be boiled up in seconds. And then Willy Wonka says, my dear lady, that's absurd. That pipe doesn't go to the marshmallow room. It goes to the fudge room, which is a gay joke. (laughs) It doesn't go to the marshmallow room. It goes to the fudge room. So we're kind of led to believe that Augustus might be fine, but the Oompa Loompas come in and sing about his demise, basically. Okay. To anybody who lives underneath a rock, what the fuck is an Oompa Loompa? An Oompa Loompa is a... Um, be careful. Yes. Um, it is a, a non-American, but um, kind of like a slave, honestly. like uh, They are. It's made very clear that uh, Willy Wonka has commissioned these folks to work for him in the factory... Because they will not leak his secrets to his secret ingredients. They will not aid Slugworth in getting secret recipes. They're just there to work for him faithfully because Willy Wonka has saved them from these, like, crazy creatures from Luma Land, which is where they originated. They're short. What? They're short. They're very tan, like Paris Hilton in, like, 2007. Basically, short-
0: they look like a bodybuilder took the orange tan.
1: Uh, a... F- a 4 foot 7 bodybuilder with a tan, white overalls, green flippy hair, kind of like Betty Pageish. And they sing and they dance and they're hard workers, so God bless or whatever. If you um, can't imagine the level of orange, think Trump's face times 10. Yeah. They're like the a the original they Cheeto. They are a um nacho cheese Dorito basically. Like a hard, hard-caked-on makeup, up um, And so, anyway, they sing over the demise of Augustus. Oompa,
0: oompa, doopity-doo. Yep. I've Each of these songs that they something. sing throughout the
1: film is about the demise of the specific person. So, whatever. Like, what are you at getting terribly fat? What do you think will come of that? Whatever. Like, it's all about, like, how they died and why.
0: You deserve a drink after that. That was such a beautiful song.
1: I don't like the look of it. Okay, yeah. do um. do
0: do 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 <laughs> We gotta harmonize now. So... Have you done that one for, um...
1: Karaoke? Never. <laughs> no. I just... No. I was just saying I did karaoke earlier this week, and I was very select about my choices. Um... Anyway. So they get on this pretty boat to, like... Forget about Augustus. Let's go into the next room. They get on a boat... It is a very creepy scene in the tunnel in which they enter. It's the tunnel. like The tunnel. They go into this tunnel in this pretty boat, and it's, like, it's regarded, I think there's, like, some list on, like, I don't know if it's, like, Billboard or whatever, or, like, Rotten Tomatoes, but it's, like, scariest movie scenes of all time, and it ranks within the top 100. It's, like, they're on this boat, it's going real fast, and they're showing, like, projections of, like, a worm crawling out of a woman's nose, like... A scary spider, like an eyeball undergoing surgery, like this really—they show this super fucked up shit on the walls, to the point where one of them, one of the characters, is like one of the parents, is saying, "Mr. Wonka, I believe this has gone far enough," and he's like, "Quite right, sir." And then they stop. It's pitch black. The lights turn on, and they're about to step off of the boat into the inventing room, which. It's like a cool. See,
0: I just remember it turning someone into like space balls, where like it goes plaid.
1: There's no plaid. We wish there was plaid. No, it's like scary. But you're like it
0: goes like stripes, doesn't it? It's like kind crazy, of stripy for a acidy second.
1: Stripes. Yeah, think about like Space Mountain when you're going through like the like scary like fast tunnel, super speed, whatever.
0: I just did Space Mountain recently. Can I say that the second I was over it, it finally ended, and I was like, thank Aww. God. I got over it at one point. I was like,
1: stop throwing me around in the dark. I love it. I love being thrust around in the dark. Oh. Um, swipe up. Anyway, so they get off the boat and um, into the inventing room, which has got lots of, like, weird little contraptions. There's, like, it looks like an all-you-can-eat buffet of swords with, like, weird little, like, I don't know, like, those, like, big metal plates that go over, like, platters. And every time they... Oh, at a hotel? Yeah, every time they take off the plate, like, room service is a different dish. There's, like, a thing with bees in it. Whatever. They're going through it. There's, like, a vat of, like, liquid that Willy Wonka, like, throws a pair of shoes into it. And they're like, what the fuck? And he's like, it needs a little kick. Lots of puns in this film. It's very cartoony. And they finally arrive at this machine that's going through all this stuff. There's, like, boxing gloves pounding in this powder and stuff. Like, there's all this intense shit. And it spits out but one single bar of... Gum. Gum. And Vi... Viola Beauregard walks up and she's <laughs> like... Viola Davis. Viola Beauregard walks up and she's just like, Oh my God, like, yeah, this is my shit. And he's like, don't touch that. It's not ready yet. She's like, so long as it's gum. And that's for me. She takes it and she puts it in her mouth. She what sin is it. she? She... What? What sin is she? She's not greed... Um I Gluttony with Augustus. She might be greed. I feel like Veruca would be greed. What I don't know what seven sins are.
0: Oh. She's
1: she's adultery. <laughs> she's adultery, yeah. Um she starts chewing the piece of gum, and the the whole premise behind the gum is that it's like a seven course meal. And she's like, oh my god, like it's a baked potato. It's she says, um, tomato soup hot and creamy i could feel it running down my throat which i'm like little girl listen let me tell you something don't do that so then finally we progress to the part where she's like oh my god here comes dessert it's blueberry pie and ice cream Like like whatever like it's the most amazing marvelous blueberry pie i've ever tasted she starts turning blue in the face she starts kind of like expanding she's wearing like a blue like Button down like onesies of sorts with a big red belt. It's like a wide red belt, kind of hiding the fact that she's a little chubby. The belt bursts off of her, and she turns into like a huge round circular thing. She turns into a sphere. Her father's freaking out. He's like, "What is happening to her?" Willy Wonka's like, "I told her it's. It always goes wrong when it comes to desserts. Like they all become blueberries." And here come the Oopalopas. They spit her around. They sing their song. Gum chewing's fine when it's once in a while. It whitens her teeth and it brightens her smile. Um, and anyway, so she, <laughs> is, I don't know, victim to gluttony again. They roll her ass away. Willy Wonka assures, oh yeah, she just needs to be juiced before she explodes. So it's like implied but not guaranteed. See, that
0: disturbed me so much as a yeah. kid that she would explode.
1: I mean... But
0: I'm, now there's, like... Did you know that there's, like, a whole, like, kink to it? Not it, not, not, not the child. The blueberry. <laughs> blueberries,
1: yes. Blueberries are hot. You guys, go fuck some blueberries today.
0: Turning into a blueberry, apparently, is
1: <laughs> um, It was very explicit. It was very, uh... I don't know. It was a very specific scene that we all remember if you've seen it. They roll her away. Willy Wonka kind of promises that she'll be fine or whatever so long as they juice her in time and um that's that they proceed to i think that's the part where they get to the lickable wallpaper in one of the next rooms where um it's not a particularly special scene but they're going like in a corridor and there's this wallpaper with like fruits all over it it looks like a slot machine and he's like oh yeah like try it out uh the pineapples taste like pineapples The snozberries taste like snozberries, and then Barucha says, Snozberries, who's ever heard of a snozberry? And then Willy Wonka chimes in to say, We are the dreamers and we are the music makers, which means nothing in the context of the scene, but like, that's very special. We are the dreamers and we are the music makers.
0: It just sounds like, uh, from, like, one of those self motive Like, uh, Mr. Holland's opus.
1: It reminds me of, like, Labyrinth a little bit. Like, something that the worm would say, or David Bowie's character would say. I don't know. It's very... This film is full of, like, riddles and weird little, like, limericks and, you know, like, can't pass until you understand this. Whatever. So, from that point, I think the next one did die, quote-unquote. <laughs> um god it's augustus wait can i guess uh yeah go ahead and guess it's the arizona boy isn't it (laughs) yes actually it's got to be mike tv so they like go through this process so at this point it's charlie uh mike tv wait uh, when
0: when does charlie and the grandfather have
1: have their run in with death they have to like burp their way back down I think that's one more after this. So the next one, they go into a room that is full of the Golden Goose, uh, which is... Oh, so it's, Veruca, it's not, Veruca, not the little boy. No, Veruca is next. She's right in the middle, number five. Um, an RIP because she's the only one that's... No, Violet's the only one that's dead. Anyway, Veruca's still alive. Um, so they go into the next room and there are these geese that are like held up high on the ceiling And they basically lay these giant golden eggs. Peter would not be fond of this. uh, None of us are, but they look good. Um, (laughs) And these these geese lay the eggs and they go down this thing and they're processed. And then this like little scale determines if they're good eggs or bad eggs. And Willy Wonka states that, you know, if it's a good egg, it'll be shined up and shipped all over the world. And if it's a bad egg, and he just kind of like ominously points downward, down the chute. So the eggs are then basically disposed of, burned in the furnace, whatever. Baruka is not listening. She's like, daddy, I want a golden goose. Gooses, geeses, I want a goose to like, gold eggs for Easter. She goes into a whole really good song, by the way, and there's some good choreo in this. So there's a point where she's like, singing the song about how she wants a golden goose or whatever, she grabs onto a part, because it's like a gift-wrapping room, and she grabs a piece of, like, cellophane on a big roll. She tears it from behind her shoulders, throws it over her head, and somehow the magic ribbon, like, Goes around Gene Wilder's whole body. Like, watch it back. It's really good choreo. And it's her. Like, they don't cut away at all. It's the same actress. So she's, she's not trying to suffocate herself. No! She's trying to suffocate Willy Wonka. She throws into the air the wrapping paper, the cellophane. It goes around him. And then she arrives at a shopping cart. Not sure why they need it. And she basically, like, turns it around and throws it into a pile of boxes. That, like, knocks on the boxes. It's all very, like, showy. And she's singing about how she wants a golden goose or she wants, you know, like she doesn't care how she wants it now. She stands on the same scale that the eggs were being subjected to earlier. And guess what? The scale determines that she's a bad egg. So she falls into nothingness and it says bad, bad egg. Her father follows her and there's like a very poignant moment where- He jumps in after her? He jumps in after her head first. So she went legs first, he went head first. There's a moment where Grandpa Joe is, like, trying to kind of comfort Charlie, like, to the fucked up thing he just witnessed, and he's like, he got what he always wanted. Peruka went first. <laughs> it's just like, even the dad knows she was an asshole. They're dead. Um, they go on to the next scene where it's basically Mike TV's turn, right? So at this point, it's just Willy Wonka, um, Charlie, Mike TV, and Mike's parent, Mike's mom, Charlie's. But this up. is,
0: before this, they wind up having the brush with death, right?
1: So, somewhere in between, yeah, you're right. So, they, Charlie and Grandpa Joe kind of hang back in this, like, giant, like, cylindrical tower. It's, like, a big circular room where there's a big fan at the top. And all the walls are, like, kind of, like, brushed metal mirrored. Like, think of, like, an elevator door. And so, there's this, like... Fizzy lifting drink. It's like a soda where if you drink it, you're supposed to lift up. But again, Willy Wonka warns it's not ready yet. So they all walk through, except for Grandpa Joe and Charlie, who take sips of it and they start floating. And it's cute for like a second where they're like, "Oh, we're flying. We're in the air. We're drinking. Whatever." Then they keep going closer and closer to like the, the, the turbine li- fan. Yeah, the like giant fan plate. The fan uh, blades. And they're getting closer and closer. They start freaking out until one of them burps and notices that it makes them like go down a little bit. And so then they're like laughing back and forth, burping, going lower and lower. They don't die. So they scurry into the next room, hoping that that went unnoticed. And it's the TV room where it's my TV. It's all white. Everything. Think about like Tron. It's all white suits. Everybody's in pure white with, like, big, thick goggles. This is, like, one of the only scenes that I think the newer uh, Tim Burton film got right, where they were, like, in the big, like, thick, like, Coke bottle, dark glasses, with, like, all white suits, white hat, white gloves, everything. Basically... They have this machine in this room where they can shrink and transport any content from point A to point B, so they're using it on giant bars of chocolate to send all around the world, presumably, which makes no sense, because it's like, why would you produce, like, a 50-gallon bar of chocolate just to make it down to, like, a four-ounce bar of chocolate in, like, Paraguay or something like It makes no sense. Fiscally, <laughs> makes no sense. I'm I like that you chose Paraguay. Paraguay. Um, it's, it makes no sense, but Mike's like, oh my god, like, I am my TV, I love TV, like, I want to be on, I want to be the first person transmitted by television. And they're all like, no, don't do it. His mom's freaking out with her cute 60s bob haircut. He stands in the space where they're transmitting the chocolate bar or whatever from point A to point B. He says, lights, camera, action. The Oompa Loompas oblige. Shoot him up. He's in bits in the air and then is reassembled on the other side in what looks like a light bright. If you are born after 1995, you won't know what I'm talking about, but like light bright being. I had a light bright. I loved it. Except sometimes it would burn you. I didn't have that experience.
0: Oh. (laughs)
1: There's, there's always time i got really
0: sad for a moment light for you bright
1: looks like a microwave and it is basically like a light source in the back of the microwave fixture and you put a piece of black paper in the front of the fixture and you poke. it has
0: numbers with the colors to poke if
1: you're lazy and not artistic otherwise you could put a black piece of paper into the front of it you poke these colored clear like pegs through it and it makes a beautiful image you could do a train ship a train, a smiley face like Mario. What no, it reminds me of, the game Battleship with the pegs. Very much so. It's coordinates. It's literally like you got to do like you know down this latitude, march, longitude. Absolutely. So anyway, so Mike gets transmitted through the sky into this little box, and he is a tiny person. The mom's freaking out. She's like, "How are we gonna fix it?" And Wonka guarantees that they can take him to like the taffy pulling room and. Pull him back to normal. Every one of these deaths, there's some like loose promise that these kids. I thought he just became a small little kid. He was, but he's like, yeah, we got like stretch him out in the taffy room, and I remember because the mom's like taffy, taffy, and she like faints or whatever, and then Willy Wonka says something in French to her, and like she just she's like,
0: okay, I'll I'll let my kid be dead.
1: It he is hypnotic. The envelope is singing. He's kind of creepy.
0: Who? In this whole movie. Who? Willy Wonka. Yeah,
1: no, he literally is, like, he's speaking French, German, he's going through poetry. He, this is his fucking world, and he does not care about these people. There are many points where he, like, jokes on the kids' expense with things that go over their heads. He's a sharp motherfucker, and he's got his eye on the prize, but we don't know what that is. Until... Basically, the very end of that, so Charlie and Grandpa Joe are basically shown out of the factory, Willy Wonka's like, "All right, cool y'all, thanks for coming, because the promise the whole time was that this factory tour was uh, intended to award one person with a lifetime supply of chocolate, which is like, not a great reward really but in the terms of like a childhood story i mean i want diabetes that's what i say right we would all love to die at 56 and not have to get old but like that's like (laughs) wow (laughs) that's all we're told right so you win a lifetime supply of chocolate and access to this like mysterious factory but like who the fuck cares so weird right so anyway charlie and grandpa joe are basically like told thanks for coming get the fuck out you know like whatever, you you ain't gotta go home, you can't stay here. And, um, basically, like, Charlie's like, what happened? Like, I thought we won. What, we didn't get out the terms and conditions of winning this chocolate. So, Grandpa Joe follows Willy Wonka back into his office. The office is, like, so well designed in terms of, like, film production. It's, like, a half sink, a half clock. Everything's cut in half, like, keeping the zany tone, Willy Wonka's sitting at a half-desk, like, looking perplexed and pissed. He takes off his hat, his hands in his, like, palm. He's writing something. And Grandpa Joe goes up to him, and he's like, Hey, um, so cool, yeah, thanks for that. But, like, what about the lifetime supply of chocolate for Charlie? Willy Wonka's like, No, sir, you didn't get it. You lose. You stole fizzy lifting drinks from that whole little incident where they drank Mm -hmm. soda and all the time. I know he... I remember him getting mad at some point. So... One thing that I missed in the Inventing Room is that they were all given an everlasting gobstopper, which is basically like a candy that is like never ending. It's a jagged, weird looking candy. It's like break jaws, much too large to fit in any child's mouth. Jawbreaker. Jaw, jawbreaker before they were cool, but it's like it's like pointed, and it's supposed to like never end or whatever. Like you can never like complete eating it, so it's good for poor children. Whatever they're all giving one. And that was the whole thing that Slugworth was after. So after Willy Wonka yells at Grandpa Joe and is just like, no, you guys lose because you, like, drank the soda and you stole things and you touched the walls and it has to be cleaned. Like, this is literally a conversation that's had. Charlie walks up with his pure little heart and says, Mr. Wonka, he puts down the everlasting gobstopper and walks away. At which point, Willy Wonka sp- brings up in pure joy and is like my boy you've done it you basically saying you're the most selfless one you are the one that was intended to win this the whole time you were the only one that was not thinking about yourself like you weren't gonna give this to slugworth and get a bunch of money off of it we find out that slugworth this guy that was quote unquote slugworth was working for wonka the whole time working for jk rowling (laughs) absolutely He just sounds like a Harry Potter character. He was working for Willy Wonka the whole time to, like, basically, like, weed out, like, the bad people. Charlie was the only one that was pure of heart and said, never mind. If you're, like, if I can't win, my family can't win, nobody wins. Here's your fucking stupid candy back, gives it back to him, and Willy Wonka is enthralled. He says, basically, like, this was the whole point. We were trying to find a good person. I'm getting older, I'm not going to be able to take care of this factory any longer, and I needed to find a good person to take care of it, take care of my Oompa Loompas, take care of my <laughs> whatever my people. And basically, that's how Charlie wins. So they get into a big elevator, they press a button that Willy Wonka has never pressed before. Which Doesn't is, it fly? It's called the up and out button. He's like, I pressed all these buttons before, but never this one, the up and out one. He lets Charlie press it, and they shoot in this elevator through the roof... They're flying over the city to the point where Charlie can see his little cottage house. And Willy Wonka states something to the effect of, and yeah, you can live here. Grandpa Joe can live here. And Charlie's like, well, what about my family? Because this sweet little boy is still thinking about everybody else but himself. He's like, yeah, all of them. They can all move in. And because you were the good person in the end. But you just can't touch anything. You're going to die. Don't touch shit. You will die. (laughs) It's a very (laughs) lethal place. But then he says one thing that's like, meant in earnesty, but it's weird. So he says this thing, Willy Wonka, at the very end. He says, now Charlie, don't forget what happened to the man who got everything he ever wanted. And Charlie says, what? And Willy Wonka says, he lived happily ever after. That is a weird fucking lesson. Like, how gratuitous is that? You have to get everything you ever wanted to live happily ever after? Like, that's kind of like... <laughs> opposite of what this movie told us it just makes me feel sad it does but it's very it's gene wilder's delivery throughout this film is astonishing he is serious when he needs to be he's a smart ass when he needs to be he's punking on these kids left and right um i don't know who else could have done it better certainly not johnny Depp. (laughs) maybe not timothy chalamet but there's a lot of cute moments basically telling you like Just be a good fucking person. You know, like, you might win in the end anyway, but that shouldn't be the end goal. Like, you'd be surprised, all these people with all the capital on their side, and these kids, these rich kids, and all these resources. And look what happened to them. They fucking died because they should have, because they're bad people. And you won, because you're a good person.
0: Wow. I would hope that the kids might have got a chance to grow up and... Thought differently of the world and learn from their mistakes, but no. Nope. But childhood genocide is ab- <laughs> about. <laughs> oh my God! It's like when we did the Hunger Games. Oh Man, that was Rude. some serious
1: stuff to cover. Yeah, it's 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 very that, but um, anyway, rewatch the movie. It's a good one. It's one of my. It's that is literally my favorite movie. I don't know why, because like the subtle little lessons of like just be a good person, just be steadfast and don't worry about everything else around remember here. the burp in case you start flying. lesson number one yeah um yeah see the only thing i remember from the johnny depp one is let's boogie unnecessary That's it. unnecessary i hate that fucking movie i love tim burton to death but yeah no that one i couldn't drive with i'm a purist i don't know
0: okay yeah and then i have you back on just to recap just that specific horrible movie they just was, the
1: same plot. begrudgingly. It's a different plot, but, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but they show that the kids are alive in that one. Yeah, so that's a core difference. That, at the very end of that newer updated one from 2005, they kind of, like, show the kids, like, in their fucked up current physical state, like, walking out or limping out or whatever, versus this uh, 1971 version, which is just... leading you to imply or, like, believe that they're probably okay. But, like, honestly... Fuck mm. them. They're bad people. Wow. <laughs> you heard it here first, people. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, so... <laughs> okay, I mean, that's one way to end it. That is one way to end it. Speaking of uh, nothing, uh, feel free to follow me, older model 27 on Instagram, OlderModel27.com. I have my own stupid blog where I talk about music heavily. I'm a music expert. Really? Is- I didn't know this about you. <laughs> you should. Um that's what i care about i'm not so proficient in film but this is one that i know a whole lot about but it's driven by the fact that the music is so strong i'm a music person um we are the dreamers and we are the music makers so i'll leave you on that
0: oh that's cute all right everybody well thank you so much for listening to spoilers on the rocks the best way to support the show is to rate subscribe like all that good stuff get people in on the word the word is the Bird is the word. So (laughs) eat. I don't know. know. Um, with that said, I'm going to bed. Good night, guys.